Good morning. My name is John Gurton. I'm the creative arts pastor here, and I appreciate that our lead pastor, Chris, just prayed for supernatural attentiveness when I'm speaking. So he must know something that I don't. Uh, evidently, I'm pretty boring, and you need supernatural ability to listen to me. But uh, hopefully you'll hear what God has to say here. Over the last few weeks, we have read through the Lord's Prayer, and now we are at the final phrase, which is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now you may be thinking, what about for thine is the kingdom and the glory forever? Amen. It's actually not in scripture. That was added later. So we're looking at, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Before we talk through what this phrase means, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. We're going to join together in a responsive prayer as we've been doing the last few weeks. Now, what I want to encourage you with is as we do this responsive prayer to not just go through the motions and not to drone through it. A lot of the times we can sound like, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The kingdom come, thy will be done. And it doesn't sound like we actually care to pray it, right? So we want to engage in what the Lord is saying and really think about it and maybe even slow down. Now, I noticed in the first service, It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and stops there. And I forgot to add and lead us not into temptation. So once we get to that part, you know the prayer. Just keep going and read that part as well. I'm reader one, just in case you were confused and you're people, okay? So let's go ahead and pray this together. On this day, we come into the presence of our God, praying with our Savior as he taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We join with Christians around the world as we say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, keep us from speaking when we should not, from being silent when we should speak. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Keep us from looking at things we should not see, from listening to things we should not hear. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Help us safely navigate the distractions of the world Help us to pay attention to you. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I spend a moment just reflecting on these words. Amen. You may be seated. So the final phrase that we just prayed, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, is actually telling us about a battle. It's a battle that's going on in this world that we're made aware of again and again in Scripture. It's a battle with the enemy who's vying for our very souls. And this is a reminder that we need to pray that we would not be drawn into temptation, we would not be drawn into evil, but that we would be drawn into the presence of God. When Jesus prayed this, when he taught this prayer, 
This portion would not have been a surprise to the Jews in attendance, to his disciples, to his followers. They would have heard this and thought, that sounds a lot like the Jewish standardized prayer for morning and evening prayer, which goes like this. Bring me not into the power of sin and not into the power of guilt and not into the power of temptation and not into the power of anything shameful. So this is something they pray morning and evening. They would have recognized this idea that there's a need for the power of God because we cannot stand up to temptation on our own. We need to know his presence, to know his power. I think for me, though, and possibly for you, for many of us here, we've heard this prayer so often, whether it's at funerals, weddings, church services, Catholic mass, wherever it is for you, you've heard this prayer prayed over and over again. And so we kind of just gloss over it. And when we say, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, we might start to think things like, keep me from having a desire to sin. I don't want to face trial or temptation. I don't even want it to be in my life. Just keep it away from me. If there's evil in a situation I'm around, keep it far from me, deliver me, rescue me from it. It's like we're saying, remove me from the mess of temptation and evil. Just don't let it be a part of my life. But what's interesting is when we start to look at the words in this passage, we start to realize that it means something a little bit different than that. Even a simple word like the word lead. When we say lead us not into temptation, we might picture a shepherd guiding their sheep away from something, right? He's leading them away. (coughs) The problem with this visualization, though, is that we will face temptation, There's no if there. That's going to happen. That's a reality. We've all faced temptation. We all will face temptation. Now, what's important to note here, though, is that the good shepherd, God, will never lead you into temptation. As we read in James, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. The issue is, though, is the world... The enemy who's fighting this battle will tempt you. He will try to trip you up. You will face temptation. So what does it mean when we say lead us not into temptation if that's going to happen? Well, the word lead comes from two words, ais and fero, meaning bring in or to carry inward. So it's less about God leading us somewhere else and more about us needing his strength to not desire, not to want to bring in, not to want to carry inward that temptation. See, this temptation is out here. And what he's saying is, is try not to gravitate towards that and then draw it into yourself. You don't want that desire, that that feeling of I need to carry this into my heart because once you start to do that, it starts to take root. And it develops into sin. So it's not lead me away. It's help me to know your strength so that I don't desire, I don't draw this into my life. So we're saying help it not to take root. Help help me to draw near to something or someone else. Which leads us to our next phrase, which is actually, but deliver us from evil. So again, we have this picture that comes in when we say deliver us from evil. It might be Jesus but also Superman, right? 
You might picture Jesus dressed as Superman swooping in in this situation. He takes you out of this situation and you're rescued from it. You don't have to deal with the temptation. You don't have to deal with the evil. He just takes you out of the situation. Well, I think we read in Scripture and we start to translate it a way that makes us think that. Because in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, keep in mind, it doesn't say he won't let you be tempted. And then stop. It says he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Temptation is a reality. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. We could interpret that as God's going to remove you from there because that's the way out. But I'm not limiting the power of God, and I do think he can miraculously do that. But we also need to realize he's giving us an opportunity in this moment. He's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. If you draw near to him and know his power, he provides a way out, pursuing him instead. Because when we look at the word deliver, it's derived from the word ruamahi, which means to draw to oneself. It's further defined by this thought. In Matthew 6, 13, the Lord's Prayer, Ruamahi is used in the closing sentence, deliver us from evil. In essence, it's saying, deliver me to yourself and for yourself. That is, Lord, deliver me out of my personal pains and bring me to you and for you. So while there is an element of asking God to rescue us from evil, there's also a very strong element that's saying, help me be drawn into your presence. Help me to know you. Help me to know your presence instead of this evil thing. So when you pray, deliver us from evil, it could be something like, draw me closer to you and further away from the temptation or the evil that is available. Help me know your presence, your strength, your comfort. What's great about this is, is Jesus was not just telling us to pray this and then not practicing his, himself. Jesus understands temptation. He understands the need for this prayer. He gets it. The book of Hebrews tells us that for this reason, he had to be made like us, made like them, fully human in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus went through temptation as a human so that he could understand what we go through on a daily basis and so that he can help us. And he teaches this is a way to help, to pray, lead us not into temptation, to deliver us from evil, to make this a daily prayer for yourself. Jesus not only teaches that practice, but he also practiced it in real life in Matthew 4, where it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, I, I think this is hilarious. He was hungry, right? Would you be hungry after 40 days and 40 nights of nothing? Of course. It's kind of inferred there, but the tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. What a temptation, right? For Jesus, having not eaten or had any water, some of you haven't had breakfast this morning, and you're sitting there like, I'm so hungry. My kids come to me, and they're like, I'm starving. And I've caught myself being the parent, being like, 
there are starving people in this world. You don't know what it's like to be starving. You know, but Jesus in this moment was starving. He understood hunger and the enemy comes to him and he's like, here's some food readily available. Just prove to me that you're the son of God. So Jesus is tempted. And he answers this way. It's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And then the enemy tries to use Jesus's way against him. And he says, for, hey, it's written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus sees through this temptation. He answers him, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms in the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. So again, when Jesus teaches this portion of the prayer, he's saying, don't be led astray by temptation, but he's also saying, draw close, draw near. Don't be drawn into temptation, draw near to the words of God. Because what does he do here? Every time he's faced with temptation, he draws near to his father, to his father's words, to his father's voice. And he says, my dad says this. And even when the enemy is like, but your dad also said this, he knows the father well enough. He's drawn near to the father more and more that he understands, I see through that. God's going to provide me a way out of this temptation. And the way out is to draw near to my father. So here's what I'm getting at. We as followers of Jesus, as sinners, as those who will face temptation, as those who are desperate to be delivered from evil, we need to draw near. Simply put, we need to draw near to God. James 4, 7 through 10 puts it this way. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You could summarize that by saying, draw near to God and find deliverance. Because when we break that scripture down, it says, submit to God and resist the devil and then this, this will happen. He, the devil, will flee from you. And that's exactly what happened with Jesus. He submitted to God. He resisted the devil. And then it says the devil left him. Secondly, in James, it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. So there's a process on our part. We need to submit. We need to come near to God. And when we do that, he will come near to us and we'll know his power. We'll know his strength. And then the last thing, it says, humble yourselves. As a result of humbling yourself, he will lift you up. So again, there's something on our end to find deliverance. We need to pursue God, to submit to his power, to his authority, to humble ourselves enough to say, I can't be in control. I need your control, your power. And when I do that, I will be lifted up. That's my way out. 
of temptation. We need to realize that first and foremost, we need to be drawn into the presence of God when we face temptation and when we face evil. When we're not in his presence, when we're not submitted to him, when we're not humbling ourselves in his presence, we will fail. We will give in to temptation. We'll be led, or as we read earlier, we'll be brought in, we'll have this desire to carry inward this temptation because we don't have him at our side. We're not drawing near to him, but rather drawing near to temptation and evil. So if God's over here and he's saying, draw near to me, but we're constantly drawing nearer and nearer to temptation, we're drawing further and further away from God. The closer I get to this temptation, the more I have a desire to carry this inward. And once I carry that inward, it takes root and then it becomes evil. Then it becomes sin. So he's saying, don't get near that. Draw near to me. Draw near to my presence. Know me. See, we're in a battle, right? The enemy is saying, no, 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 you don't need to draw near to him. I have these pleasures. I have these things for you over here. Just draw near to this. It'll fulfill you. It'll make you feel good. And that's why we're told to take up arms in Ephesians. Where it says this, finally, be strong in the Lord. Stop right there. It doesn't say finally be strong and continue. It says finally be strong in what? In the Lord. We cannot do it in our strength. That's why Jesus came. That is why we have direct access to the Holy Spirit's power now. It's so that we can rest in his strength, his power. Don't do this on your own. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Draw near to him and you will know his power. It continues, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's temptation. That's what we're facing here. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Again, this is referring to this battle, this ongoing raging battle that's happening. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when that the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. You want to be able to stand up to temptation. You want to be able to resist evil? Then draw near to God and know his power. Put on his armor. We're in a battle. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we're made aware of this line in the sand where it's saying, choose a side. Don't be drawn into temptation and evil, but be drawn into the presence of God. The enemy is desperate to win you over to his dominion, to his side. He wants to win, but the victory is not his. The victory is our God's. The victory is in the blood of Jesus. So we need to draw near to him. But we also need to understand to be delivered from evil is a process. And it's hard. There's an effort on our part. As we read in James, we need to do these things. We need to submit. We need to come near. We need to be humble. See, this effort of drawing near happens moment by moment, day by day. It's not something where we say, deliver me in this situation. And then once we're delivered, we're like, great. Now I don't have to deal with that. I'm going to move on and do my own thing again. This is a day by day, daily prayer that we're supposed to be praying. Because deliverance can be painful and messy. Because when we draw near to God, it means letting go of those things, those people, 
those habits that take us away from him. And that can be hard. That can be really hard. You know, the Israelites for generations, they cried out to God for deliverance. They said, deliver us from the hands of Egypt. We are desperate. They're killing us day by day. We need your salvation. We need your deliverance. And if you're following along in the 49 weeks of scripture reading that we've been doing as a church, we just read when Moses says, or when God says to Moses, I'm going to set my people free. I've heard their cry and I want to deliver them. And so he delivers them from Egypt through all these miraculous things that happen. And so Israel is delivered. They've heard the, the prayer has been answered. And then they immediately go into the promised land, right? No, there's a process that happens. There's generations that happen. There's things that move forward. And Israel doesn't like that. They're like, that's not what we prayed. We prayed for you, deliver us from here and put us here. We didn't want to have to do this. And so they start to say, thank you for delivering us, but man, this manna is gross. I don't want to eat this anymore. Can we have a side of Chick-fil-A sauce at least? So they start to get upset. The Israelites even go to this extreme in Exodus where they say, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat. Sorry, vegans. And ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Wow, are they divas, right? You've given us everything we ever wanted, but this isn't what we wanted. We want meat. We want this today. We want this today. Deliver us this now, right? It's like it, deliverance for them was a product rather than a lifestyle. So for us, when we look at the Israelites, we got to ask, do we desire deliverance or do we just not want to deal with trial and temptation? They didn't want to deal with Egypt. They asked for deliverance from that, but they didn't want to do the work to find new life and a new place. Do we get frustrated when we face that temptation that we were delivered from before and then it comes up again and we're like, God, I asked for you to deliver me from this. Are we drawn near to God? Or are we getting frustrated? You know, I think about the word deliver and two things came to my mind. And this might not make sense to you. It kind of makes sense to me. But the first one is to deliver a pizza. Now, we see this Domino's car driving all around town. And if it's ever going too fast, you call up Elijah Smith. He's the one driving it. <laughs> no, but he delivers pizzas, right? So we call up Domino's and we're like, this is not, I'm not sponsored by Domino's. I prefer Little Caesars, but I want a pizza. Deliver me this pizza. I get the pizza. I ask for delivery of that. I get it. I eat it. I'm done. Okay. That's a consumable product. That's something we can consume. We ask for this one-time thing. We get it. It's gone. But it's not anything that leads to, to newness. It's not anything that actually builds nutrition in us at all. It might preserve our insides for a long time with all the preservatives in it, but it doesn't lead to good things. It's just something that we consume. I wanted it delivered. It's done. Great. Just like Israel. But then I started to think about delivering a baby. Vastly different. Women have to go through nine months of pain, of throwing up, of 
all of these different things. And then when it comes to the moment of delivering a baby, there's more pain, there's anguish, there's trial, there's all of these things that happen. But once they deliver that baby, there's new life. See, we have to go through a process and it can be painful. There can be a lot of things that we look at and we're like, I don't want to have to go through that for new life. But once you come out the other side, that new life, you can cherish all the more. Because you've seen how God has been moving this whole time, how he's been helping you, he's been keeping you strong so that when you have new life, you can cherish that and know that through God's strength, it's only through God's strength that could have come out the other side. So we can view deliverance as a one-time consumable gift or we can view it as an ongoing day-by-day gift of new life when we draw near to him. And it takes that effort on our part. So be reminded, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we could also be praying something like this. Help me not to carry this temptation inward into my life. But instead, help me be drawn into your presence so that with you at my side, I can make the choice to not give in to evil and I can have a new life with you. Remember that Jewish morning and evening prayer from earlier? It says, bring me not into the power of sin and not into the power of guilt and not into the power of temptation and not into the power of anything shameful. There's a lot of knots in there, right? It has this feeling of negativity to it a little bit. See, the Pharisees had a tendency of of doing that where they would have this one thing. We don't want to be tempted by this sin. So let's develop 600 laws around that thing so that we'll never get near it and we'll never have an issue of temptation. And so they're saying, don't do this, 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 don't do this. It's not a very filling feeling because it's just a bunch of don'ts. So what if we took that prayer and we rewrote it with the thought in mind of what we've been learning? And it came out more like this. Bring me into your power. Don't let guilt's power overwhelm me, but let your grace free me. Don't let me carry temptation inward, but instead fill me with your strength. Don't let shame weigh me down, but instead lift me up and draw me into a new identity with you. See, when we draw near to God, he fills us. He gives us his power, his presence, his strength. But maybe you're here this morning and you've struggled with that perpetual temptation that you've given into time and time again. And you're just like, I I can't do this. I don't have the strength. I want to tell you, I'm right there with you. I'm a failure. I have given in so many times to temptation, and I can't do it on my own. I don't have the strength. And you're not alone in that struggle. If you're sitting here this morning thinking, I'm the only one that's ever struggled with this, I'm the only one that is going through this, you're wrong. There are so many people in here who can relate to you. When we draw closer to the presence of God, we can have his strength and his power on our side. 
So for those of you that have come out the other side of that and found new life, you can make that a testament. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, there was trial. Yeah, there was suffering. But man, this new life, I cherish it. I'm not going to lie to you, though. It's easy for me to stand up here and be like, everything's great. When you give up on that temptation, you're going to be delivered. Everything's fine. But the reality is when we draw nearer to God and nearer to his presence and know him more, the enemy is fighting even harder. Because he wants you on his side and in his dominion, he is fighting all the more. So you're going to start to see more and more temptations fly up. And you might be thinking, well, that's not very encouraging. I'm sorry, but that's a reality. When you say yes to Jesus and you start to pursue him, the enemy starts to pursue after you as well. Because he wants to win. But as I said, he can't. The victory is not his. So this morning, we need to make a choice to draw near to God. If we want to not be led into temptation and delivered from evil, then the only choice is to draw nearer to him. To make it a part of our, our daily prayer. To speak those words, God, help me not to be led into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Evil, Help me to be drawn into your presence. We can do this. We can, with the power of God on our side, with the gift of his son on the cross. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So if we draw near to him, if we draw near to his light, we have fellowship with those who do the same, but we also have a fellowship and a relationship with him. And the blood of Jesus, this gift purifies us. Because the reality is we're human, we will fail. We will give in to temptation and we will sin. But God has given us the greatest gift ever in, the, in his son and in grace. It's not a get out of jail free card. It's not something we can be like, yeah, but Jesus covers it all anyway, so I can do whatever I want and I'll just keep on sinning. That's not what God is asking us to do. If we want to know that new life, then we go through the process of not pursuing those things and pursuing God. So it's by his blood we've been made clean and we can have victory in that promise. So as we close service and head into communion, I want to ask you a question and I want you to ponder it as we close. Am I drawing near to God? Ask yourself that question. Am I drawing near to God? Do I know his voice? If I'm in a situation where there's temptation and evil and I've got two voices coming at me, do I know how to differentiate between the enemy and God? Have I drawn near enough to know intimacy with the Father? Or am I allowing myself to carry inward temptation? Am I being drawn more and more towards evil and further and further away from God? And then second to that question, ask yourself, am I praying this prayer? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I encourage you as we head into communion to be praying those things, to be pondering that. But it's, it's important for us to Read in the scripture what communion is about. It's a reminder of the new covenant, this new life that we have with God. Hebrews 9, 14 through 15 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, how much more then will this blood cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them to set you free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And then in Ephesians, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. God didn't give us a little bit of grace. He lavishes grace on us. God is for you. He wants you to know that you can have new life. So he offers us grace. Even though we failed, we've given into temptation, God has given us the promise of forgiveness. So I encourage you in this time to draw near to God. We're going to sing a song here before we take communion together. As we sing this, I encourage you to confess your sins to God. To pray and seek God and ask him to help you to not be led into that temptation that you know you struggle with. To ask to know him better. God, help me to know your voice, to draw near to you and to know your presence. I'm going to read to you two final scriptures before we sing. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. It's not a lamp from a genie. It's not something where we can say, if I do these things, I get whatever I want. You know, it draws me back to that passage in Corinthians. He will provide a way out. If you abide in him, and he abides in you, ask for that way out. He will provide it. James 4 eight also, again, come near to God, and he will come near to you. So let's draw into his presence. Of the land. 
burden he can carry There's no life he can't redeem There's no darkness he can light up There's no captive he will free There is gives us access to the Father through the broken body, through the shed blood. Lord, as we come before you and we gather with one another to receive the Lord's Supper, to receive communion, Lord, we do so with great humility, to great gladness and gratitude. So, Father, as we readied our hearts as we have confessed sin, as we've worshipped you through these words, I thank you for this gift. Thank you for the opportunity to pause, to be reminded, to remember. So Lord, we surrender these moments to you. 
As we move into a time of receiving the Lord's Supper, the symbols of his broken body and his shed blood land your way and you're able to pick up a communion cup. There's a few by the doors and there's some available up front if you've not yet received that. Just ask that you would uh, ready the elements there. these words in 1 Corinthians. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So with thanksgiving, would you take and eat? continues by saying in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me so would you take the cup would you remember says that we do this for remembrance. Lord, we proclaim your death. Lord, we proclaim your burial and your resurrection. Lord, thank you for the life and life abundant that we have in you. Lord, I thank you for the promises we find in scripture, the promises, so many that John read today and, and we heard and God, I pray that they would sink deep with Lord, we thank you for your promises. We thank you that you are faithful. So Lord, as we continue to worship, and may we continue to draw near to you. Lord, as your word says that you draw near to us. Lord, you're so, so good. We're so grateful. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Draw me close to you.
my first Wrapped within the arms of heaven In a peace that lasts forever Sinking deep in mercy sea I'm wide awake Drawing closer by grace and Jesus, that washes us white as snow, that gives us 
the assurance of forgiveness. Help us to be delivered into your presence.